The word Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. You gotta be buying a shotgun, that's what I said. Put a shotgun and you have no problem. Jimmy, Jimmy, open me. Banana, banana, open me. B5, open me. Jimmy. And I'll try to do it. Say it, say it, say so how did we get here? We're all used to, at this point, the image of just like 85-year-old grandmas just gone off of oxys, out of their fucking mind at a Trump rally, just, you know, just fucking going in on every community in America that isn't white, middle class, usually fucking elderly, etc. How do we get to this point? Um, very carefully. Yeah, very carefully. Very deliberately. Oh, well, yeah, actually, on behalf of some people, definitely very belib- deliberately. But um, I think um, today me and Alex are going to take a deep dive into how do we get to the the phenomenon of Trump brain syndrome and boomer brain syndrome through the story of a completely middling and forgotten B-list 1950s and 60s songwriter who's still at it today. I don't know. I guess this makes me kind of think of like the whole like boomer Trump brain thing. Is it like a nature versus nurture thing of like, were they always this incomprehensible and gone or did they become that way over time? Uh, And I think we're going to dig into that by exploring this guy's music. But Alex, do you have anything to say about that before we get going? This is just such a fascinating guy. And there's, yeah, those are great questions that you're asking, and there, there's just so much material in him to address them. I guess, have we even said his name yet? Trade Martin is who Trade we're talking Martin. about here, yeah. Oh, we love him. Yeah, and we're going on a journey that like, I don't think even he could have remotely predicted, but it makes sense to me that this guy, he didn't start in the 60s when pop music got good, you know? Like, he was making music in the late 50s, um, and I think there's... There's nothing we can say that would speak better than this song from 1959 that he did. I don't think he's the actual songwriter on this particular track, but he's in this band, and this is like where he got his start. Um, it's called Johnny and the Jokers, and the song is called Do Re Mi Rock. Do Re Mi Fa So Fa Mi Re Do. Do Re Mi Fa So Fa Mi Re Do. Man, what a drag. This is fucking unbearable immediately. It sucks. How the fuck did people listen to this shit? How could you be like a teenager with any kind of like curiosity about the world and be like, damn, this fucking shit rips, dude. I love buying all of these songs that all have the same chord progression. And are all about crashing your car as a teenager (laughs) or how fun it is to be at college. This song's about Do Re Mi. How fun it is to sing. I love practicing my scales. This song makes me want to get a fucking poodle skirt. They should make poodle skirts for dudes. Like jean poodle, poodle jeans. Well, all poodles are girls. (laughs) It's part of the dog breed. It's true. Ooh, this was put out on Harvard Records, too. So he 
He founded a, a record label with these guys, with the Do Re Mi Rock guys, uh, that was active for two years. Apparently, he played the backing instruments. Damn, how do you play that shit, dude? At such a young age, he's so prodigious and talented. And then he uh, he got more into songwriting in the 60s. He had a few brushes with success. He wrote the, That Stranger Used to Be My Girl, which was a 28 hit on the Billboard Hot 100 1962. And that was the peak of his career, I think, actually. Yeah, as a solo artist, that's his only like Billboard charting hit. It's not a very um, good song. Then... So, I mean, you could see this because he's a guy who ended up sort of being a songwriter rather than much of a performer in his own right. Another um, sort of stop along the journey here is in 67, he did a song for Dusty Springfield. This is like a song that's buried at the end of her album. It's like the second to last track. Um, The only song that he did for her. Um, it sucks. And, you know, it wasn't a single. It wasn't sort of anything that anybody would have any reason to care about. But let's listen to it just to sort of see where he was at in the 60s. I mean, it's a huge improvement on the Johnny and the Joker song, but it's largely just like the aesthetic of late 60s pop. It's... I'm not sure which Supreme song it rips off. I think it rips off like three of them. But it's just so blatant. Like he was just listening to two songs and combined bits of two songs to create this. And he got paid for it. And honestly, I respect the grip. Yeah. <laughs> He's out it's there just grinding. A, a parody Supreme song where the entire chorus is just on one chord. Yep. The only like redeemable thing is the vocal harmonies, but I'm just going to assume he didn't arrange those. <laughs> no. We'll hear some of his vocal harmonies. It's funny that just to imagine them having to record songs by this guy. Like, (laughs) as a 60s artist, you had to release, like, four albums a year. And they would tell you to put a cover on it, and you would have to do the cover. And they would have to do all this orchestration for just the lowest effort filler tracks. I'm kind of wondering, too, because the industry was so insular back then, the fact that he kind of had his foot in the door from the 50s, I mean, I don't think there's any kind of, like, comprehensive biography of this dude, but, like, he had to just, like, be able to get these placements here and there for songs because, like, if you have enough connections in an insular enough industry, you can kind of get one song here, one song there, you know? Yeah, he had the connections. He definitely doesn't have them now. Yeah. <laughs> because I guess at some point someone realized that he isn't very good at this. So a mystery we were exploring was why he has on his YouTube channel an upload of a cover of I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. But it says it was released November 1984, which is the same month that the actual song was released. So I don't know if it's like a an error with the copyright or if it's... Yeah, I think so. I really want to believe that he covered the song the month it came out because that would fucking rule. It's such a but bizarre thing sure to imagine. But I'm pretty sure that he just doesn't know how to use the computer and wrote the release date of the real song. But like this song is a perfect example to um, sort of get his style going into the 80s here. Yeah, he's using synths. 
I wish he was a big enough public figure to really know um, his political beliefs in the 80s. Because obviously this guy's got to be a huge Reagan guy, but like his music was too irrelevant for him to really like reflect the political moment in it, you know? Yeah, and I don't know how much of a market there was for outright patriotic music at that yeah, time. Before we really get to the good stuff with him, like it makes sense to me that this guy is trying to make a comeback in the Trump era because he's the tri- type of like B-list, no talent shill who Trump really speaks to even more than Reagan did. Like I guarantee this guy fucking loved Reagan, but that guy didn't have the same like grifter energy that Trump does. Yeah, Trump attracts guys like this. Like, like if if, if you're listen if from hearing that you've probably already realized that this is a guy who's not particularly talented, who like through the lens of songs from 1962 doo-wop shit, uh, it's easy to like look past it, how bad and inept he is at this, because it's just such a narrow constraint. But once you're into the 80s stuff, it's like, damn, this guy uh, really doesn't, he really isn't very good at this. And uh, that kind of, it kind of makes sense that he would become a right-wing guy because he gets these checks in the mail for royalties, uh, for shit he did 50 years ago or more. Yeah. And it's just terrible. It's he almost just like lucky. being an actual capitalist where it feels like passive income. Yeah. It's technically for labor he did in the past, but it kind of feels... Like he just got lucky that his doo-wop... Uh, do wop it a do one two three I love you shit. Uh, got him some royalties, and now, like, it, we're gonna go into his his more right wing shit. But it makes sense that he's like a fuck you got mine guy because he's just so, a dumbass. Listening to lucky. this foreigner cover, I have like a little tangent here where, unfortunately, I do like Leonard Cohen in general. Like he's a good songwriter, but his '80s stuff fucking sounds like this. Like Leonard Cohen in the '80s was writing fantastic songs that he recorded in the stupidest, most garbage ways. And this is like, unfortunately, what that sounds like. Neil Young also did that. Yeah, yeah. Although at least he kind of had an excuse. Like when he did the album Trans, it was like, it was like an experimental thing to try to relate to like his relative with autism or something. At least he had some like conceptual framework for making subpar music. Where I think Leonard Cohen sort of went off the rails for a little bit there. It is interesting seeing people move from one idiom to another without really having, like, the taste or restraint to pull it off. Like, when uh, when you went into the 80s and you suddenly had access to choirs, like synth choirs. Ooh, yeah, and, and you got the really cheesy synth tones going. And- like, a guy from the 60s, it's like, oh, the, the whole world's open to me. I can use whatever I want. And then it's just this absolute cacophony. Yeah, so... That's kind of like his take on the 80s. Um, Alex, you mentioned too that he was on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack or maybe a cover of him. He played session guitar. Oh, we didn't even mention his his biggest thing of all time. Uh, the most significant moment of his life. He played guitar on the original Isley Brothers version of Twist and Shout. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Damn. Yeah, that's like his biggest thing, that you can hear him playing session guitar on that. And when the Beatles heard that record, that's what made them want to cover it. 
So the oh, Beatles, were, man, the Beatles were listening to that record over and over, learning Trade Martin's guitar part, which admittedly was not very uh, complex at all. Yeah, I mean, anything in the in 50s rock, like nothing is complex, which I guess is like a virtue of it in the sense of like, this is like a superficial thing to say, but 50s rock is like punk music where you could learn to play any of it in like a few months, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's accessible, but it also kind of sucks. That's the thing. The bar was so low back then because you had to record everything all at once usually because you had at most like a four track and... You had to just get three guys to strum acoustic guitars or whatever, three chords. I and if you were f- lucky, you get to be one of those guys. You don't have to do a lot of work. There's no real strain. It's just, can you strum a few chords on a guitar? You can play on the session. I think it's natural for any genre to get more complex over time, right? Where like 50s rock is like 80s rap, where it's like, a hip and a hop and a bip and a bop. And it's just fucking garbage. But then it turned into something amazing once people really had enough time to dig in there. And rock was the same, jazz was the same. Like technology yeah, enables true. a new um, genre where like electric guitars kind of enabled rock music, and then it just fucking sucked until people really figured it out. And Trade Martin's a guy who was around before anyone figured it out, and he made a lot of garbage. So. Yeah, and he never really figured it out. So after that image of thinking of the Beatles listening to him uh, playing session guitar, we're gonna jump ahead to him getting back into original songwriting in two thousand and one. Um, oh, I guess this technically this album came out right after 9-11, but it was recorded before 9-11 in those heady pre-9-11 George W. Bush days. He did an album called Peace to the World, New Christmas Music. And the real like headlining song that's the first track on the album that was covered by B.B. King afterward is called Peace to the World. Pre-9-11 This sounds like the 80s, dude. Like those shitty ass drums and digital ass reverb. Yeah, it's like his recording technology stopped developing sometime in the 80s. Like he's still on a rig from back then. I'd love to fucking be a fly in the wall for these sessions. Like, how did he make it sound this corny? The BB King version of this isn't much better. Fuck BB King. Yeah, I mean, he was 10,000 years old when he recorded this, too, so. He's one of those guys that spent like 80% of his life collecting awards. <laughs> he just stopped making music in like 1971, and they just gave him awards for every year of his life after that. Damn, he's ripping this solo, dude. Ooh, I really want to highlight these lyrics for reasons that become apparent later. Shelter the homeless, open your door, feed the hungry, give to the poor. Like there's some kind of like egalitarian kind of, uh, you know, caring for marginalized people sentiment in this song. Yeah, this is pre 9-11. This is when everyone's brain still worked. Yeah, this is when a good Christian man like Trade Martin could... uh, Embrace some Jesus-y messages about feeding the hungry, I guess. You don't have to actually do it, but you have to say you would say do it. Say it, yeah. At least say it. 
So that's his early 2000s sort of return to original songwriting. I think the fact that the album cover, A, was clearly done in like fucking Microsoft Word or something with like the weird thing where you can stretch the font. But the fact that it says new Christmas music seems like, ooh, I'm a guy who no one cares about the music I'm making, but if I make Christmas music, maybe people will listen to it. Ooh, they came out with new Christmas music. I'm, I'm sick of the old Christmas music. So here's where the real like heel turn happens. Well, heel turn's like giving him too much credit. It's more like here's where you start to see like Trump brain and like boomer bullshit, like tea party brain disease start manifesting. And it, it gets back to the question of was it always there? Like this guy is clearly not like he didn't have any kind of commitment to any particular ideology i guess i mean it's hard to say from his music right but like yeah he didn't include it yet at least yeah it's hard to say because the popular culture of the that he at least was part of was so apolitical and shitty that it's hard to like get into his mind but his post 9-11 stuff is where you really start getting the tea partiness coming out where this is, what, 2010 now? Um, if everyone remembers the mosque at Ground Zero controversy where they're going to build that building. It wasn't even on Ground no, Zero, right? It was like a away. few blocks away, yeah. But, In a building that was formerly a Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Um, but this is this is his song that, like, by far it's his most viral thing he's ever done. Um, and it was done in 2010 as a response to that controversy. I think this is his fucking masterpiece. Like I haven't explored this enough myself where I could listen to this a fucking a hundred more times and dig into every line. It's so good. I've probably heard it that many so times. It rocks. It's amazing. We're like, we're going to have, I mean, I have to play this twice even like, this is just fantastic. This is really where like the shit hits the fan for him. We've got freedom of religion. I understand. But Ground Zero is one location where a mosque shouldn't stand. Getting back to what a bad songwriter he is, like, what kind of half self-aware songwriter would do the line, uh, Ground Zero is one place where a mosque shouldn't stand. There are plenty of places where a mosque shouldn't stand. Like on the the point of a mountain. No one would speak that way. Yeah. (laughs) God, the video is so fucking good, too. I don't know what the video is made with. It's like these... I would guess Windows Movie Maker or something, where it's just doing the Ken Burns effect on everything automatically. Like, it has these automatic transitions and zooms. Yeah, it seems too advanced for that. Like, maybe, like, a Corel video editor. I always want to know what guys like this film their shit with, or what they edit with, because it's not something that would come with Windows. Oh, really? It's like, I could have sworn it'd be like Windows Movie Maker because it's like, it's all video footage and video or, um, and pictures he found online, I think. I don't think you could do this in Windows Movie Maker with, in 2010 or even now. I don't know. I haven't I used it now. It's literally all just zooming in effects. Yeah, it's like just it's zooming like in on Burns. different pictures. He could have had a friend. Uh, man. I really do want the inside scoop on this. Did he have like a friend who's marginally competent help him out with this killer video for his 
fucking comeback single. Are you kidding me? 3,000 people died a block and a half away. Are you serious? Had the eerie synth strings behind that clip of that guy talking. So cool. Yeah, that's like a horror movie. That's great. <laughs> I love to... Okay, so when Andrew was... Uh, with us uh, last week we were talking about tears for fears where they have like the upbeat songs with really like morbid lyrics and this song accidentally does that where all the lyrics are like thousands of americans died in an attack and it sounds really positive and upbeat and major key but he means it to be like harrowing right yeah he's happier about it than al-qaeda was (laughs) thousands of americans died in the attacks this is some pretty, like, 2000s experimental sample looping shit here at the end of the song. All right, let's just listen to it again, because this is so fucking good, dude. It rocks. We've got freedom, We've got of, freedom religion. of religion. I understand. But ground zero There's a zoom in on, like, the title text. Where it's got the title of the song and then his name under it like you would have on a music video and then somehow it zooms in on that god i would love to imagine different eras of music history um like colliding and getting like warped in time where could you imagine this video playing on mtv in the 90s that'd be so cool we need a conservative mtv now that all those urban types are on there I'm imagining like a movie where um, Trade Martin has to go back in time to the 90s to warn them about 9-11 and put this on MTV. He has like a VHS tape. He's got to slide in there. And like the technology, the video editing technology in this just blows their minds in the 90s. And like they actually prevent 9-11 because of this. He doesn't go back to prevent 9-11. He goes back to prevent the Ground Zero mosque. (laughs) Good call. Yeah. He actually needs 9-11 to happen in order to justify preventing the mosque. He just he like sure no sprays a bunch 9/11. of pork blood all over the all over the ground zero site. Yeah. It will never be built here. <laughs> and this just got built and everyone stopped caring about it. Well, yeah, I was looking at that up earlier. It kind of got built. Is in 2016 they secured financing for a 43-story condo building with room for an Islamic cultural museum. So rather than a mosque, it's like a museum and it was like a compromise with developers where they get all these fucking bullshit ass uh, luxury condos. So it kind of happened and kind of did it, but no one gives a shit because the whole thing was always a ruse just to be racist, you know? It's, they didn't care about the real estate and the landscape. It was just about being racist. It's amazing how mad people were at this time for no reason. That's where you see boomers' brains really exploding. Like, the Tea Party movement um, was that first political expression of it. In the same way that, like, um, Occupy Wall Street was kind of the ineffectual first stage of what turned into the Bernie Sanders movement and whatever the left is now, the Tea Party thing was the early Trump shit for sure. Although it was more effective in the sense that it had, like, so much fucking backing from, you know, like, Freedom Works and other Coke-funded things that it actually manifested politically very quickly. 
But this is like the pop culture. This is the pop culture of the Tea Party movement right here, I guess. Yeah, there's like a brand of just absolute pap that these guys love that it's like Trump hotels. I was looking, I was so amazed by that tweet yesterday by the guy Mm. who works for one of those right wing places. I saw you tweeting that. He was just in a Trump hotel and it was, it's just, it looks like a Marriott. It's just, yeah, everything about it is normal except there's kind of a gold trim above the bed, but it's the most just typical middle of the road hotel room. And then out the window is a golf course, but it's kind of like, you know, not very, there's like a bunch of power lines going over it and it's not very scenic or beautiful or it's not a remarkable golf course in any way. Yeah. It's just like this total like dopey earnestness where you're so impressed by the most mass produced suburban shit. Like that painter, John McNaughton. Are you familiar with John McNaughton? Oh yeah. He rocks. But it's even, I would say it's even more innocuous. It's like a Thomas Kincaid thing too, where it doesn't even have to be like a politicized John McNaughton type of thing. It's just like seeing a guy who painted a waterfall and being like, damn, dude, that's like the craziest shit I ever saw. That's nice. We'll get more into Trade Martin, but yeah, I feel like John McNaughton is sort of the visual version of him, where his paintings of like Trump hugging the flag and crying. and It's just yeah, like... Yeah, he's a different boomer artist for sure. Like people claim that popular culture is like for the young, but there's a lot of boomers making cultural commentary through art right now. Yeah, it's like almost outsider art, even though it's like... Even though they control every fucking branch of government except like the house and they have so many judicial appointments and they control... They have more wealth than anybody. It's still sort of outsider art. That's the the paradox. Because it's just so far removed from like anything resembling taste or restraint. It's just like openly having sex with the flag, just fucking the flag just going to town on the flag and daring anyone to tell you to stop. And the idea that you should have, like, that you should tone it down a little bit is, like, you shouldn't. It's just you get emotional when you think about how much you love the flag and Donald Trump. Yeah, the and you flag have to is an aphrodisiac, that. you know? Actually, now that I'm thinking about the Tea Party and, like, boomer art, um, this is, like, a whole different world, but um, Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground, like, the drummer, when she was interviewed at those Tea Party rallies in, like, 2010, um, what's funny about that is she was still making decent music in the early 90s. Like, she had an early 90s song where she got back together uh, Lou Reed and John Cale, and it's actually pretty fucking good. I'm really even more fascinated by her, like, descent into Trump brain boomer bullshit, but that's, like... You know, a whole nother can of worms here. Yeah, how does that even happen? At least she had, like, legitimate artistic credibility. and But again, it's not like... She only wrote, like, one song for The Velvet Underground, I think, which I like. Um, um, after Dark or... After Hours. After Hours. That's a good song, but it's very simple. Like, I guess I never knew, like, what she's like as a songwriter. She might have just kind of never had any kind of objective political ideology until she was older which gets back to the trade martin thing of like did he believe this shit from the start or not you know yeah it's like maybe it's just a a sleeper cell in these guys when you take a guy who's like (laughs) who's had white privilege his whole life he was born in 1943 he's he's it's the best time to be born as a white straight man in america 
and then you get a, a couple shitty doo-wop songs. You get lucky. You get to be filler tracks on uh, albums that have bigger singles on them a couple times. And then you collect that money for the rest of your life and just pat yourself on the back for being like so successful. Yeah, and he's then failing if someone even and... suggests that you don't deserve uh, all of that money or someone else like needs help or the, the system is slanted in your favor, you just go berserk. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of saying, like, like, I wish everyone had that opportunity, it's like, fuck you, I wrote a song in 1962, suck my dick. Yeah, exactly, like, you're still, like, you, people owe you something, and having a more egalitarian society infringes on your rights in some inconceivable fucking bird-brained way. But, like, now that we're getting here, the next song is from um, uh, Christmas of 2016, when Donald Trump is president-elect. We're getting to the really good bird brain shit here. We're like, the caliber of this music is clearly still the same caliber as the 1950s Johnny and the Joker's Do Re Mi crap, right? Like, yeah. it's just like been politicized and just made so fucking. I mean, I don't know. Let's just let's just hear for ourselves. Look, we need people that can support us. We need people that are strong and smart and can back us. The word Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. And this is why I think of this as like a fucking like boomer brain disease kind of thing where this is also where you start seeing him making comments on his own songs on YouTube that are just completely incomprehensible and rambling kind of in the manner of Donald Trump where it's only partly sentences that he's speaking in and the shit that he's writing is like, so after hearing Donald J. Trump tell his crowds repeatedly during his nomination process and now continuing the age-old expression, Merry Christmas as the president-elect, I was inspired to compose my President Trump Loves Christmas song. How old like, is the phrase Merry Christmas? That's a good question. I want to find that out for certain. President Trump loves Christmas. It's gonna be a wonderful holiday. The Christmas thing is... Oh, it says it, it um, may have originated at the end of the 1600s, so it actually is a pretty old phrase. That's decently old. I mean, yeah. that's still, you know, 1,700 years after Jesus, but... The obsession with Merry Christmas, it's very funny, but it's also, like, deeply worrying how upset these people are. Not even about not hearing Merry Christmas because you still hear that all the time but but it's yeah exactly it's obviously being told a dog whistle. that you don't hear by yeah, someone on TV yeah that's what they like it's like the grievance culture of the right wing that they project onto like younger left people but they love to have the most like bizarre grievances about the most inconsequential things i guarantee you you could do like a fucking supercut of obama saying merry christmas like 20 times while he was in office but it's just the idea that maybe he's the kind of guy who wouldn't do that, even though he does, you know? Yeah, and then you get this kind of shit where it's like being as excited about Christmas as a three-year-old would be because to, you think oh, it, you think libs are mad that you have Christmas. To Obama's discredit, the kind of artists he was hanging out with as president were like common and like way over the hill Jay-Z who were making terrible music already at that point, too. But, like, this is on a whole nother level, you know? Like, the, the pop culture milieu of Obama is not very good, but this is just, like, fucking phenomenal 
It's just, it breaks my brain to hear how much his brain is broken. It's like a domino effect of brain poisoning. Yeah, Trump culture is so much more interesting than Obama culture. Obama culture Obama is like... kind of sweet because it's like so um, milk toast and lame and kind of daddish. Um, I guess Beto O'Rourke is the closest thing to... To an Obama, yeah. I guarantee yeah, there's a like lot of culturally. fucking... Um, political consultants who told him that and that's why he's still uh, running for president yeah he's like getting older he used to be cool he sold out a long time ago but he still has the old records he's uh, you know he's not going to be offensive in any way has anyone interviewed Ced Cedric Bixler Zavala yet about Beto O'Rourke I'm very curious well he'd probably be very diplomatic just like yeah we used to be friends but it's such a funny thing for him to try to milk they should have let him in the band. Very unfair. They had uh, so many bullshit titles in their band, where like sound designer or whatever. Oh, or, um, Jeremy Ward, yeah. Yeah, or like uh, it's just like yeah, he's just manipulating sound effects in the background. Yeah. They would, they should have just given Beto O'Rourke a, uh, a position like that. Yeah, exactly. So you got the President um, Trump loves Christmas. Then you got there's so much shit that he's uploaded in like the past. Uh, yeah, he's going crazy. That's what's great. He's going fucking psycho, man. Like, he's what? He was born in 43, is it? So he's 75 yeah. now. And now he's having, like, his creative fucking zenith. Like, he's really inspired by the political climate of the Trump era. And he's just creating this fantastic boomer art. Um, I think we got to just keep moving on to this song he put out in January this year. Um, build the wall. You know, you can guess what this is about. Yeah, this one, the video for this is Jib Jab. Yeah, it's amazing. Who under 70 would have known that Jib Jab exists in 2019? Jib Jab is very funny. We, I mean, we could even talk about Jib Jab. That was like... We should talk to Keith about it. That came up in the Keith episode, actually, right? Did it? That's yeah, burned he was into saying my that brain people forever. still send it to him sometimes <laughs> around like love, Christmas or something. I love sending that to that, sending that to people, making people watch it. The This Land is Our Land with John Kerry and George W. Bush. <laughs> God damn. It's That's just, so fucking 2004 America. Like, we can all get along. Yeah, that's that what Obama wrote the into the White House is, I'm going to compromise on everything always, nonstop, no matter what they do to me. Yeah, everyone... Singing a song together, having fun. Man, what a great era of politics. Ellen, you know what? Ellen DeGeneres for president. George Bush for vice president. But yeah, let's get back. To, let's get to this um, build the wall. Trade Martin. Hey, everybody. We got to build that wall. Come on. Raise up your hands and put a smile on your face. I'm talking to everyone in the human race. We're proud. And so what's like ideologically interesting here is... This is a parody of his own song, Peace to the World. The one where he said, like, shelter the homeless, open your door, you know, feed the hungry and all that shit. It's like he's parodying his own shit to have the exact opposite sentiment of, like, fuck these people, you know, immigrants are subhuman, etc. Yeah. The video for this is amazing. It's Donald Trump's face over a dancer from some movie. He has like a mullet photoshopped over him. 
I thought that was like a hat. Is it a mullet? Oh, I guess it's right. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Some sort of so like bad eighties haircut. I don't understand why. The text jib jab video keeps flashing on and off the screen in like size seventy eight font. Damn, this is so inspiring and compelling, man. So he he parodied his own song to make it racist. He had Oh, this is a great one. The song about Flight 370, The Missing Plane. Oh, shit, I haven't heard this one. Called Where the Hell Is It? Oh, man, this is going to be brand new to me. This is going to kick ass. This is just like him seeing something on TV and just compulsively making a song about it. We got to read his um, preface here. Please understand that the humor in the following presentation is only being expressed because with all of mankind's space-age technological advances in this day and age, the fact that a large passenger plane cannot be located is absolutely absurd. Ellipsis, ellipsis, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Be assured that this song and video is definitely not meant to make fun of or denigrate the possible unthinkable loss of 239 precious lives. We honestly pray that every man, woman, and child will be found alive and well. Thank Period. you. Sincerely. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Sincerely, the producers. Well, that's a fail for you. They never found him. I guess the song wasn't good enough to find him. If the song was better, they would have found it. Ooh, could it be in Jimmy Hoffa's backyard? How That's a, that is a timely reference. And this was before The Irishman. Man, he's recording these vocals with like a shitty-ass USB podcasting mic. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time imagining how he records these. At one point I thought, for some of them, like the Mosque at Ground Zero song, it almost sounds like he went into a studio. Yeah, and the, the Trump Christmas one is actually like decent quality too. But this one's just clipping the whole way. It sounds like a Yeti mic or something that he doesn't know how to use. Yeah. The horns are general MIDI. Yeah. It's all mono. It's mixed in mono. Alien abduction? So I I wonder what program he's using. Or if this someone is helps him do this. such a boomery song because it actually has no sort of political... Um, compass to it it's just we got a lot of technology why didn't we find that plane yeah why doesn't someone fix all the problems he, like, he does Fox take some shots at CNN obama was obsessed with this shit too obama and hillary come up on the screen and he's like well i guess uh for once you two aren't at fault going back a little bit he had a great um sarah palin song oh really let's pull that up that was one thing that really broke I gotta hear these that. guys i didn't uh, know how many good songs he had in the the 2010s, damn. Dude, Pitchfork's yeah, um, best of 2010s list, the fact that it didn't have any trade Martin on it is fucking crazy to me. They're just so out of touch, you know? Yeah, they gave him the number three album, but he only had uh, four songs on the two, 200 top yeah. songs thing. <laughs> Very sad. Where the hell is that plane? Palin is her name is the name of this one. Because the election is drawing near. At every party, while we sipped our tea, 
the consensus what year is this which election is drawing near that he's talking about she's got the this would have to be 2008 so let's okay yeah it makes sense wait why was it uploaded in 2011 oh see it is for 2012 then yeah <laughs> she wasn't even running no she pretended like she would though she took millions of dollars she had a campaign bus and then she claimed it was just her family like talking to people rather than campaigning and she just took all the money and ran she should come back honestly why isn't exactly. she in the trump administration Dude, she got fucking ripped off like she is trump she should have it should have been her she should have been the first female president who has the same agenda as trump but she got fucking ripped off yeah she's less funny than trump but she That's had that moment stolen win. from her like she could have at least I don't know. Maybe she's just too busy dealing with her shitty kids and husband. Her her kids keep all no, fighting with her No, her husband divorced her recently. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, she got divorced and the kid got divorced. Todd, the first dude. Damn, those unemployment numbers went down and then went back up under Bush. I don't know why that graphic was included. I love his ad-libs that he does in every song. We love our freedom yeah, in dude. the background. It's got that proto-hip-hop spirit to him. Ooh, the graphic of like the 3D $1 bills rotating in a circle. He has a, a guitar painted to be like an American flag with an eagle head. Ooh, a Sarah Palin 2012 presidential button. That's like a really cool historical relic, man. Yeah, that's a collector's item. Damn, people gotta watch this video along with this episode. This is too good. So much effort went into recording this. Ooh, damn, he's taking shots at John McCain. John McCain was the rhino. Well, look, look who's dead now. Yeah, very disrespectful. John McCain, dead. To a great statesman. Trade Martin, alive. But yeah, that's kind of like, you know, the Tea Party, it seems like more than Trump, the Tea Party movement is really what kind of gave him that artistic resurgence here. Yeah, they just, they weren't mad about anything real. They just suddenly got mad because of Fox News and was like... Well, I think the real thing they were mad about was Obama being president, right? Like, Yeah, they were mad it was a black guy. They would never say so. is what set this shit off, right? Like, no question. That's a gigantic part of it. Yeah, they would still say that today. But it, like, it, it was... Even to that, it was an overreaction because the amount that, like, the actual racial hierarchy in America would change is, like, not that much. And, oh, uh, nothing. Like, in the aftermath nothing. of the recession, like, nothing it was... Actually, uh, the recession destroyed more black wealth than white wealth. Like, it actually maybe got worse. And Obama accomplished nothing in terms of racial equality besides the fact that being the first black president is a huge milestone, which fucking rules. But in terms of the ordinary person's life, he didn't accomplish shit. Yeah, so they, they had nothing to be mad about, even from that perspective. Nothing actually yeah. changed. It was just It's like, all imagined grievances. Like... The, the sort of like Trump Tea Party boomer movement is based entirely on perceived grievances, right? Yeah. It's they still control everything. They still have stupid amounts of wealth for fucking... De they destroyed the world and created all this wealth that has accrued only to them. Like, you know. Yeah, you have guys like Trade Martin living off of royalties from old songs. And they're just mad about the mosque at Ground Zero 
or they're mad that Obama is Muslim and he ate dog or whatever it is. God, that's the coolest thing about Obama, honestly. That's so fucking cool. He's got to be the first president to eat dog. Probably. But, um, you know, the last couple things here, you know, we're pretty much to the current day, but a really, like, sad footnote here. Well, you know, hilarious, but sad because I always loved Kanye up until he got really shitty in the last few years and his music sucks ass now. But uh, Trade Martin was the main sample on Kanye's song from that shitty album, Yay. Um, the song Ghost Town is mostly based around a Trade Martin song. That's that same shitty Dusty Springfield song. It's, uh, it's not the Dusty Springfield version. It's a cover that someone else did. And on that cover that Kanye sampled, you can tell that the band is like trying as hard as they can to turn that into a good song. They're like just putting it all out there with the instrumentation and the arrangement. And it's just the, how bad the song is still stands out. How awkward the, the, um, the middle eight is or whatever, where it's all just one chord. Yeah, he's collecting royalties from that Kanye album. God, oh, you know what's amazing too? He posted, when Kanye put the song out, um, he posted his version of that song again on YouTube. And he was like, his comment on it is, on Kanye West's latest album release, Party Next Door, which is not what the album's called. That's like one of the collaborators on it. <laughs> Kanye requested the use of my song, Take Me For A Little While. The basis of his current major hit, Ghost Town. Like, his, his brain is already so deteriorated, like... That was not a major hit. He needs to go all in with Trade Martin and just collab with Trade Martin. Yeah, they're actually more on the page. They're on each other's page now more than ever. Yeah, they have the same exact political beliefs. If Kanye wants people to buy or to stream as... Well, I guess if you're trying to get people on title, these guys are not going to be able to set that up. They'd have to get their grandchildren to do it. But you could get uh, like some viral Facebook videos if you had a Trade Martin instrumental where it's got the, the classic Trade Martin ad-libs in the background, where he's like, yeah, for freedom! And he sounds like he's shitting or having a stroke. Yeah. And then you have Kanye <laughs> rapping over it. And then uh, you continually update the MP3 files on Tidal in real time to add more general MIDI horns. It needs more horns. So yeah, I guess uh, that brings us around to the final chapter here of... This is something he posted in August this year. This is him doing some comedy with another boomer friend named Jimmy J. I don't know. Maybe he has like some kind of... Well, let's just read Trade Martin's description. Jimmy J does a silly comedy skateboard spoof interview with Trade Martin playing Joe Biden, Beto O'Rourke, and Bernie Today in News. I'm Jimmy J. This is Today in News sitting in for my buddy Trade Martin. And boy, Trade would wish he were here because we have two amazing guests this week on Today in News. Former Vice President Joe Biden. Welcome to the show, sir. That's me, Jimmy. <laughs> I just gave you a virtual hug. What the hell is that? It's a podcast I think that's his best impression. As this goes up. on, you like, got to buy a shotgun. That's what I said. Get a shotgun, <laughs> and you have no problem. It was great to see you in Boston. Why aren't they recording this over the phone? The other day. You did a fine I don't think job they know how to use 
any other medium, I guess? I don't know, dude. Think about the age situation. I don't know what, what trade Martin is being recorded with. Be 76, Jimmy. Don't make a mistake now. Get a shotgun. That's it. Though. 76, you're like a trombone. He kind of sounds worse than the guy who's on the phone. You got it. No, I think trade Martin is the one who sounds better. Because Trade Martin is playing Biden, Beto, and uh, Bernie. No, six million, six point That's him right million. now. I, I get a shotgun, Jimmy. That's all you okay, got to do. Yeah, I know. I, well, I'm getting mixed up because I'm so excited. I think no, he's recording it from so his end with hug. the other and guy. Maybe even smell phone. your hair. I don't know, dude. This shit is... It also has 93 views. Who the hell cares? Uh, Bernie, but this is peak, like, Trump brain bullshit because... Listen, Jimmy. Neither of them are, like, finishing sentences or making sense. Oh, that's right. I understand you want to have everyone vote, right? No problem, Anybody, anybody who's a rapist, a murderer, anybody, I don't care. They are human beings. They're allowed to vote. I love they're making fun of the idea that human beings have a right to vote. Anybody can buy a shotgun, get a knife. Democracy is something you earn. It's not something that you get by being a human being living among other human beings. He needs a lozenge. And his bit is that Bernie's going to make it okay for uh, for um, Bin Laden to vote. <laughs> Maybe he can't think of any real villain in the world like Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi or something like. It's too hard of a name to say for him. What are you kidding me? That's Cassius Clay. Biden, are you kidding me? Hey, Damn, he's no killing it right now, dude. Me. He's too old, Jimmy. He's too old. I can't even tell when he's starting and stopping an impression. Uh, Jimmy, you know, I know, because they're all the same. It just sounds like a guy choking on pudding. Wait, that might be Biden because he's calling um, Bernie a commie? And a nice back rub, of course. Absolutely, definitely. I'll just smell his hair and let Bin Laden vote. I just want to thank the both of you for checking Does he know that Bin Laden is dead? Maybe he thinks it's a conspiracy because Obama did it. Dude, if I'm Trump, I'm going to go after bin Laden right now and actually get him. That's my 2020 message. Wait a second, Jimmy. You got another call. They should kill him every year. They should just say, oh, we got him, uh, but we dropped the body in the ocean. Sorry. Right before every election. Yeah, people would forget. Damn, we finally got him. We got five more minutes of this comedy. I'm trying to. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're a white supremacist hero. I don't understand I this you. bit either Beto. that Beto is a white supremacist uh, yes, hero. I don't know who you are. Uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy is my name. Jimmy, Jimmy, okay. Bobby, me. Banana, banana, full for me. Fee, fi, mo, me. Jimmy. And now let's try oh, yeah. Beto. Beto, Beto, Bobeto, banana, banana, fofeto, fee, fi, mometo, skateboardo. Some good shit. Oh, that's right. I'm going out of my mind here. What are you talking about? He's calling about? him skateboardo? Yeah, yeah. That's the I, pun. I think so. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You got to be on a, yeah. another Wait, level. Oh, hang, hang on, man. Oh, Hold on, Beto. Hang on, but Beto. Joe Biden's cutting in here, man. I can't believe you guys are bothering me while I'm out skateboarding with Beto. Uh, uh, Joe, are you there? Hey, Jimmy, I got a shotgun. How you doing? Uh, listen. Yes, Joe, but just listen to me. This is a new day, a new age. Forget the shotgun. You need to buy a skateboard. That's How do you even you know need. who's That's talking or who's That's supposed what, what to be talking? In 2021. I don't know, dude. All the impressions are exactly the same. Skateboard, man. It just sounds like just trucker radio. Like it's just a, a bunch of different voices cutting in and out. You don't understand the context for anything. You don't want to get knocked off and get, you know, just stay with it, man, because you're not a white supremacist, are you, Joe? Yes, I am, but you know, Jimmy, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. What the hell are you 
talking about? You're talking about surf. At least that was like a memorable reference to a specific thing Joe Biden said. Yeah, I sort of made that out. Anymore, I can't go on a skateboard. What are you crazy? Joe, you could go on a surfboard in Martha's Vineyard because there's lots of sharks there. But Chatham, maybe want to take a bite out of your ass. What did you say? No, I didn't say. I'm sorry. Out of my ass. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President. I'm sorry. Do you think that like Adam 22 is going to be doing material like this when he's 80 years old? What about Jeffrey? Probably. What about Jerry? Listen, I haven't got time to talk. I can't wait to listen to that. I can't wait to listen to him I think the cycle is going to remain unbroken. Like, yeah, Keemstar is so fucking stupid. Everything he's posting now, like 50 years from now, he is going to be these guys. Like, those are the guys who are primed to become just like too stupid to be fascist, but like weird racist right wingers 50 years from now for sure. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Like, with following the trade Martin uh, trajectory where you get some money and some fame doing something very early on and then it dries up and uh, but you're still collecting royalty checks or whatever and you just get more and more bitter and just retreat into like your castle and get afraid of people taking things from you like I could see that happening for a lot of like YouTube stars and Vine stars yeah, and pro gamers once they get their bag and they feel it feels like ostensibly like things have changed in recent years with like how media is like decentralized and all this bullshit but it really hasn't the same thing is going to repeat itself in pretty much the same way, just using different, like, entertainment mediums, but we're doomed to repeat all this dumb bullshit we're listening to right now. Oh, I can't wait to hear senile Keemstar. Yeah. Even phonetically, that's such a great phrase. Senile Keemstar. Did you listen to that one song Keemstar did, actually? No. Let's pull that. You know, that's going to be the perfect way to end this episode is... Let's listen to Keemstar's song because, if anything, that might be his equivalent of Johnny and the Jokers in the 1950s, you know? Like, Here it is, buzzword. I'm feeling the buzz. Can you feel the buzz? I'm feeling the buzz. Let's go talk to Bernie, and he'll feel the burn, and we'll feel the buzz, and man, we'll be burning and buzzing. Yes, is it baby. Dollar in That's the Woods? Yep. Okay, we can cut out the last minute of this fucking comedy video because this is excruciating, but... Yeah, like... Here comes, uh, this is, you know, 50 years from now, this will be the next generation of what we just explored here. Yo, I'm about to burn down this house. Are you fucking ready? Are you ready? I'm about to spill fucking bars like diarrhea. I'm about to nuke the whole city like North Korea. Are you ready? Nuke the whole city like North Korea. I know it's, it's supposed to be bad on purpose on some level. But He's using irony to like shield himself from criticism. Like he wants people to like it, but he doesn't want to admit that he was trying. Basically, you must be able to make a better hook than this. You must have no, somebody he can't, he can because call. he's not a musician. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, but he has a huge audience. Doesn't he know anyone? Isn't there anyone in this circle? Oh, I can't wait until he's seventy-five. He's got an IV drip of G fuel. President Keemstar and uh, Vice President Felix Biederman. Oh, I can't wait. We're a terrible man. Maybe he'll do a drama alert about us. Have you seen his stuff that he's done recently? Like, this is why he's the perfect candidate for this, where um, the stuff he's posted over the last, like, month or so of uh, 
Oh, maybe, actually, maybe this was after the um, New Zealand shooting, or maybe a re there's so many like mass shootings in America. I can't remember if it was one of them or what, but he was just like, "Should we ban guns in America? Yes or no?" As a poll on Twitter. That's how you decide. So cool, dude. Like he's already, you know, getting out there and exploring the, you know, the big issues of the day. Can't wait for his music to become politicized when he's 75 years old. Yeah, he's already sort of political. He's like, I think he says he's pro-Trump just to troll, but I don't think he, he no, doesn't well, have the passion behind it. You have to like. He said that um, his drama videos were inspired by Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. Oh. But yeah, I guess I don't know. To wrap this one up, it's kind of like, you know. Which we kind of deliberately chose someone who you can't really get into his mindset that much because I don't think he's been interviewed much because he's not very important. He never did anything people care about. But like, what is the genesis of the mindset to be to make like pop boomer pop culture bullshit that's like Tea Party and Trump affiliated? I don't know. Was it there all along? Like, I guess uh, I think from what we've talked about, the answer is basically that kind of like innate white privilege that he never questioned or thought about. It was just kind of always there. And once it was maybe slightly questioned by merely having like a black president and shit, it all just came out. Like it's the most simple, it actually just gives back to the most simple explanation for um, reactionary politics in America that you can come to. But that's basically kind of what I take away from this, right? Yeah. You have to have that lingering privilege that's just festering below the surface and then something pokes it and tries to push back at it. And then you get this backlash, um, which is fueled by the people at the top of the social pyramid because it makes them money when old white guys are angry like this, but you have to have a calamity. And I wonder what ours is going to be like, which building is going to get knocked down by whom to make Keemstar go insane when he's like 50, not that he's not already insane, but to make him into uh, make make him into an earnest trade Martin type, where he's making songs about Benghazi. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a climate change related disaster. That because it's climate related, you're not gonna be able to pin it on any group of individuals. So people are gonna have all kinds of conspiracy theories, etc. And then you're gonna blame economic woes on marginalized groups who have less ability to speak for themselves. So whoever's the marginalized group du jour, you blame some kind of climate catastrophe on that group, etc. You know, you turn working class people against each other based on arbitrarily drawn identity. Well, not arbitrary, like they're majoritarian, minoritarian lines. And then, you know, you hammer that home and you ride that to the White House. And, you know, that's a golden formula. First they came for podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the first scapegoat. Then they came for streamers. Oh, my God. They're going to come for gamers. I was going to say someone's going to fly a paraglider into the Chicago Bean. <laughs> Some freak is going to come up and kick the Bean really hard, and it's going to tip over. And that's going to be the inciting up. event for the next Forever War. I can imagine a good album cover where it's like the Bean tipped over and it's shattered, and in the shattered glass is the reflection of the artist like contemplating what it all means. And it's Keemstar. Oh, my God. Bean star. So that's a glimpse of, uh, you know, 2060, 2070, but... Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, you know, Trade Martin, though, he really set a blueprint for making art 
reactionary senior citizen art, I guess. That's like that's his legacy, right? That's more memorable than the shit he made early on. And Kanye is like helping to memorial like immortalize that by sampling this kind of mediocre shit he did before, but yeah, he's helping subsidize it. And honestly, I'm all for it. I want more songs about Benghazi. I want more instruments in them. We should more try to use Twitter shit. to set him up with Charlie Daniels. Like, I bet Charlie Daniels would fuck with Trade Martin to do like a collab. Charlie Daniels is another one. I love retweeting him saying, Benghazi ain't going away. That's the song title right there for him and Trade Martin, dude. Oh, that would be so great. They love Benghazi. I feel like we learned something today, though. Yeah, we got to stop the mosque at ground zero. We got to build yeah, the so wall. Yeah, so we're going to see everyone. Everyone listen to this. We're going to see you uh, next Tuesday at Ground Zero. Bring your fucking signs. Bring your grandparents. We're going to make sure they don't build that daggum mosque. We're going to tear down the mosque. We're going to build a bean, a big shiny bean in its place as a memorial for uh, the many who died. You got to stop the mosque at ground.